I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're going to be looking at uh, Ezekiel chapters 46 to 48. And first of all, we look at chapter 46 where we see more about the prince and the feasts. Verse 1, Thus saith the Lord God, The gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days. But on the Sabbath it shall be open, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. And the prince shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate without, and shall stand by the post of the gate. And the priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings, and he shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go forth, but the gate shall not be shut until the evening. Likewise, the people of the land shall worship at the door of this gate before the Lord in the Sabbaths and in the new moons. And the burnt offering that the prince shall offer unto the Lord in the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish, and a ram without blemish, and the meat offering shall be an ephah for a ram, and the meat offering for the lambs, as he shall be able to give, and an hen of oil to an ephah. And in the day of the new moon it shall be a young bullock without blemish, and six lambs and a ram, they shall be washed without blemish. And he shall prepare a meat offering, an ephah for a bullock, and an ephah for a ram, and for the lambs according as his hand shall attain unto, and an hen of oil to an ephah. And when the prince shall enter, he shall go in by the way of the porch of that gate, and he shall go forth by the way thereof. But when the people of the land shall come before the Lord in the solemn feast, he that entereth in by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate, and he that entereth in by the way of the south gate shall go forth by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. And the prince in the midst of them, when they go in, shall go in, and when they go forth, shall go forth. And in the feast and the solemnities, the meat offering shall be an ephah to a bullock, and an ephah to a ram, and to the lambs as he is able to give, and a hint of oil to an ephah. Now when the prince shall prepare a voluntary burnt offering, or peace offerings, voluntarily unto the Lord, one shall then open him the gate that looketh toward the east, and he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings, and as he did on the Sabbath day, then he shall go forth after his going forth, one shall set the gate. Thou shalt daily prepare a burnt offering unto the Lord of a lamb of the first year without blemish. Thou shalt prepare it every morning. And thou shalt prepare a meat offering for it every morning, the sixth part of an ephah, and the third part of an hen of oil, to temper with fine flour meat offering continually by perpetual ordinance unto the Lord. Thus shall they prepare the lamb and the meat offering and the oil every morning for a continual burnt offering. Thus saith the Lord God, If the prince give a gift unto any of his sons, the inheritance thereof shall be his sons. It shall be their possession by inheritance. But if he give a gift of his inheritance to one of his servants, then it shall be his to the year of liberty. After it shall return to the prince, but his inheritance shall be his sons for them. Moreover, the prince shall not take of the people's inheritance by oppression, to thrust them out of their possession, but he shall give his sons inheritance out of his own possession, that my people be not scattered every man from his possession. After he brought me through the entry, which was at the east side of the gate, into the holy chambers of the priest, which looked toward the north, and behold, there was a place on the two sides westward. 
Then said he unto me, This is the place where the priest shall boil the trespass offering and the sin offering, where they shall bake the meat offering, that they bear them not out into the utter court to sanctify the people. Then he brought me forth into the utter court and caused me to pass by the four corners of the court. And behold, in every corner of the court there was a court. In the four corners of the court there were courts joined of forty cubits long and thirty broad. These four corners were of one measure. And there was a row of building round about in them, round about them four, and it was made with boiling places under the rows round about. Then said he unto me, These are the places of them that boil, where the ministers of the house shall boil the sacrifice of the people. Well, this chapter contains some information that will take place during the millennium. Remember, uh, it's a Jewish period on the earth, Sabbath keeping and sacrifices and all, all of that's just a moral. Just as these practices in the Old Testament look forward to the finished work of Christ, these practices during the millennium will be a memorial of that which was already taken place. Now, uh, do you recall the offerings back in Leviticus chapter 1 and all the way down through chapter 7? Well, they're back. As a matter of fact, if you look at Leviticus chapter 1 through 7 and see the outline of the feast there, or rather, should I say, of the sacrifices, you'll see that these are quite similar. Here's more evidence demonstrating that the prince serves under the Messiah and that he's not the Messiah, Jesus. Look at verses 16 and 17 with regard to the sons of the prince. Jesus, the Messiah, will not have sons. Also take note of the phrase in verse 18, the prince shall not take of the people's inheritance by oppression. Well, we both know that no such admonition is necessary for the Messiah, Jesus. Obviously, this is a reference to a leader who will serve under the Messiah. We also have a summary of that in Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 1 through 14. And as a matter of fact, if you go to today's reading on BibleTrack.org, you'll also see that I've written an article there about David's role during the millennium. So let's make certain we're clear here. The prince of the millennium is a man and not the Messiah. He may have children, and he does take part in making sacrifices. Now, regarding this prince and the identity, again, as I've mentioned in previous readings out of Ezekiel, take note of the fact that um, this is not new in this chapter. Uh, notice Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 23, which we read a few days ago. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. In that same chapter, Ezekiel 34, 24, And the Lord will, op- will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I the Lord have spoken it. And then in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 24, we find these words, And David, my servant, shall be king over them. And they shall all have one shepherd. They all shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. And then Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 25, and they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. It is a difficult concept, but it's obvious that David is referenced as the prince in the millennium, according to Ezekiel's prophecy. Based on what we know about the Messiah's part of the millennium, we can only conclude that David serves under the Messiah. Now, let's look at it from another perspective for a moment. Did Ezekiel know that David was dead when he wrote this prophecy? 
Well, of course he knew. David had been dead some 400 years or so. So did Ezekiel mean David or did he mean a descendant of David? Well, on this one, I can only tell you what he said. And what he said was David himself. Like all believers, David will have a resurrected body. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that he does already. However, we don't usually assume that resurrected bodies have progenitors as indicated in verse 16. But on this one, I guess we'll all have to just wait to see for ourselves. Now, something does come to mind, and that's the issue of Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead for four days in, in John chapter 11 when Jesus resurrected him. So my question is this. Could Lazarus have, uh, have had progenitors after his resurrection? Well, why not? So why not David? A matter of 400 years or so shouldn't make a difference. It's clear from this chapter that the Sabbath and the observance of the new moon will be part of the worship ritual during the millennium. Here we are given some detail regarding the role of the prince in these observances. And here's another mention of the sacrifices being made, as explained in chapter 43. These sacrifices will be reflective of the finished work of Christ on the cross. You'll notice in that summary references to other prophecies who also spoke of the resumption of sacrifices during that period, those prophets that gave those prophecies. So then we have chapter 47, where we see a river coming out of the temple. Verse 1, Afterward he brought me again to the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward, for the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto the utter gate, by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran waters out on the right side. And when the man had the line in his hand, went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. Again he measured a thousand, and brought me through the waters, the waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand, and brought me through, the waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me, and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were many trees on the one side and on the other. Then he said unto me, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed. And everything shall live whither the river cometh. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto Eneglaim. They shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds, as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed." It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because the waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. 
Here's a description of a river that originates from the temple and goes all the way east to the Dead Sea. We see that in verse 8. The Dead Sea won't be dead anymore. Verse 8 goes on to say, The water shall be healed. That's because of the water supply that will then flow into it during the millennium, a river just beaming with life in verse 10. Then it will be known as the Living Sea, formerly known as the Dead Sea, I, I guess. One more thing, trees, healthy, thriving trees growing on the banks of this river, good for their fruit and even for their medicinal purposes. And why is that, you ask? Well, verse 12 says, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary. Joel also mentioned this river in his prophecy in Joel chapter 3, verse 18, where he says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and a fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim. Zechariah 14.8 says about this river, And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. Zechariah goes on to point out that the river actually runs both east and west out of the temple. Toward the west it empties into the Mediterranean Sea. Well, it would appear here that the water from the river adds longevity and health to life itself. Although this is not the same as the river found in Revelation 22, the similarity is worth noting. In Revelation 22, we see it speaks of the New Jerusalem after the millennium when there is no temple. But notice what is said in Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So it does seem as though this millennium river serves the same purpose as that which shall be located in the New Jerusalem, and that purpose is healing. Now as we come to chapter 47, beginning with verse 13, we have some land distribution issues. Thus saith the Lord God, This shall be the border whereby ye shall inherit the land according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions. And ye shall inherit it, one as well as another, concerning the which I lifted up mine hand to give it to your fathers. And this land shall fall unto you for inheritance. And this shall be the border of the land toward the north side. From the great sea, the way of Hethlon, as men go to Zedad. Hamath, Berothah, Sibraim, which is between the border of Damascus and the border of Hamath, Hazar Hadakan, which is by the coast of Haran. And the border from the sea shall be Hazarinan, the border of Damascus, and the north northward, and the border of Hamath. And this is the north side. And the east side ye shall measure from Haran, and from Damascus, and from Gilead, and from the land of Israel by Jordan, from the border into the east sea, and this is the east side. And the south side southward from Tamar, even into the waters of Strife and Kadesh, the river to the great sea, and this is the south side southward. The west side also shall be the great sea from the border, till a man come over against Hamath. This is the west side. So shall ye divide this land to you according to the tribes of Israel. And it shall come to pass that ye shall divide it by lot for an inheritance unto you, and the strangers that sojourn among you which shall beget children among you, 
and they shall be unto you as born in the country among the children of Israel. They shall have inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel. And it shall come to pass that in what tribe the stranger sojourneth, there shall ye give him his inheritance, saith the Lord God. But you'll notice that the land distribution is not the same as in Joshua. Go back and look at Joshua chapter 19 to take a look at that. According to this passage, the boundaries described extend from the vicinity of Damascus on the north, just below the Dead Sea on the south, the Mediterranean Sea on the west, and the Jordan River on the east. The tribes will have land allocations that go from the east to the west all the way across the land. According to chapter 48, verse 1, Israel's millennium occupation will extend all the way up into Syria. That's 170 miles or so north of the Sea of Galilee. I've written uh, in, in my commentary, I've included, should I say, a map over on the uh, right side of the page for this date's reading that shows the distribution to the tribes uh, in the current topography of the land. You'll notice uh, that between the tribes of Judah and Benjamin is located a tribal-sized area for the prince, for the temple, for the priest, and the other Levites. Chapter 47, verse 23 tells us that the Gentiles in the millennium will receive a portion of land alongside Jews. While the tribal allocations are specified, the land within the tribal allotments will be divided by lot just as it was back in Joshua chapter 19. We see that in chapter 47 here, verse 22. You'll notice another commendation for Zadok in verse 11. Only his descendants are charged with the priesthood. The other Levites will do just temple maintenance. This isn't actually unique to the millennium. The prophetic decree was originally issued back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27 through 36. That was back when Eli's boys were killed by God. We don't see its implementation until Solomon becomes king in 1 Kings 2.27 in verse 35. That's when the priesthood was actually narrowed to only the descendants of Zadok. And that was eliminating the descendants of Abiathar from, the point, from that point forward. Technically, however, Abiathar's ancestors were to already have been eliminated from serving as priests all the way back to Numbers chapter 25 verses 11 through 13. Back then it was decreed that priests from that time forward would come only from the line of Aaron's grandson, Phinehas. Not even Eli in 1 Samuel was a descendant of Phinehas. That prophecy actually took a long time before fulfillment, but it was fulfilled. That brings us to chapter 48, the land distribution to the tribes of Israel, beginning with verse 1. Now these are the names of the tribes, from the north end to the coast of the way of Hethlon, as one goeth to Hamath, Azaranon, the border of Damascus northward, to the coast of Hamath, for these are his sides east and west, a portion for Dan. And by the border of Dan, from the east side unto the west side, a portion for Asher. And by the border of Asher, from the east side even unto the west side, a portion for Naphtali. And by the border of Naphtali, from the east side unto the west side, a portion for Manasseh. And by the border of Manasseh, from the east side unto the west side, a portion for Ephraim. And by the border of Ephraim, from the east side even unto the west side, a portion for Reuben. And by the border of Reuben, from the east side unto the west side, a portion for Judah. And by the border of Judah, from the east side unto the west side, shall be the offering which ye shall offer, of five and twenty thousand reeds in breadth, 
and in length as one of the other parts from the east side unto the west side. And the sanctuary shall be in the midst of it. The oblation that ye shall offer unto the Lord shall be of five and twenty thousand in length, and of ten thousand in breadth. And for them, even for the priest, shall this be the holy oblation, toward the north five and twenty thousand in length, and toward the west ten thousand in breadth, and toward the east ten thousand in breadth, and toward the south five and twenty thousand in length. And the sanctuary of the Lord shall be in the midst thereof. It shall be for the priests that are sanctified of the sons of Zadok, which have kept my charge, which shall, went not astray when the children of Israel went astray, as the Levites went astray. And this oblation of the land that is offered shall be unto them a thing most holy by the border of the Levites. And over against the border of the priests, the Levites shall have five and twenty thousand in length, and ten thousand in breadth. All the length shall be five and twenty thousand, and the breadth ten thousand. And they shall not sell of it, neither exchange, nor alienate the first fruits of the land, for it is holy unto the Lord. And five thousand that are left in the breadth over against the five and twenty thousand shall be a profane place for the city, for dwelling and for suburbs, and the city shall be in the midst thereof. And these shall be the measures thereof, the north side four thousand and five hundred, and the south side four thousand and five hundred, and on the east side four thousand and five hundred, and the west side four thousand and five hundred. And the suburbs of the city shall be toward the north two hundred and fifty, and toward the south two hundred and fifty, and toward the east two hundred fifty, and toward the west two hundred fifty. And the residue in length over against the oblation of the holy portion shall be ten thousand eastward and ten thousand westward, and it shall be over against the oblation of the holy portion, and the increase thereof shall be for food unto them that serve the city. And they that serve the city shall serve it out of all the tribes of Israel. And the oblation shall be five and twenty thousand. By five and twenty thousand ye shall offer the holy oblation four square, with the possession of the city. And the residue shall be for the prince, on the one side and on the other of the holy oblation, and of the possession of the city over against the five and twenty thousand of the oblation toward the east border and westward over against the five and twenty thousand toward the west border, over against the portions of the prince, and it shall be the holy oblation and the sanctuary of the house shall be in the midst thereof. Moreover, from the possession of the Levites and from the possession of the city, being in the midst of that which is the prince's, between the border of Judah and the border of Benjamin, shall be for the prince. And for the rest of the tribes, from the east side and to the west side, Benjamin shall have a portion, and by the border of Benjamin, from the east side to the west side, Simeon shall have a portion. And by the border of Simeon, from the east side to the west side, Issachar's portion. And by the border of Issachar, from the east side to the west side, Zebulun's portion. And by the border of Zebulun, from the east side to the west side, Gad a portion. And by the border of Gad, at the south side southward, the border shall be even from Tamar unto the waters of Kadesh, and to the river toward the great sea. This is the land which ye shall divide by lot unto the tribes of Israel for inheritance, and these are their portions, saith the Lord God. And finally, in verses 30 to 35 of chapter 48, we see some details about the city. Verse 30, And these are the goings out of the city on the north side, 4,500 measures. And the gates of the city shall be after the names of the tribes of Israel, Three gates northward, and one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi. 
and at the east side 4,500, and three gates, and one gate of Joseph, one gate of Benjamin, and one gate of Dan. And the south side, 4,500 measures, and three gates, one gate of Simeon, one gate of Issachar, and one gate of Zebulun. At the west side, 4,500, and there are three gates, one gate of Zad, one gate of Asher, one gate of Naphtali. It was round about 18,000 measures, and the name of the city from that day shall be, The Lord is there. Well, not much detail is given here. It really doesn't say that this city is Jerusalem. could be. The notable aspect of the description is the name given to the city, and here's what that name is. The Lord is there. The city will have twelve gates, three on each side. These gates will bear the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, as specified in verses 31 through 34. Now, this certainly does sound like Jerusalem. And that actually brings us to the very end of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 48. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.